You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. Hi everyone, my name's Daniel, and this is a reading from the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm. Because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us, as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favour granted us in answer to the prayers of many. G'day everyone, my name's Tim Johnson, I'm the Senior Minister here at St John's Diamond Creek. We're starting a new series today from the book of 2 Corinthians, and we've particularly chosen this book to teach through this term, because we think it really fits well in the current circumstances we find ourselves in, and particularly helpful in the way that it focuses our attention on God uh, and who God is. What is it that you think of when you hear the word comforter? Comfort is one of those words that means different things in different parts of the world. So in the US, a comforter is this. What in Australia we would call a doona. So when you are feeling miserable and down, you wrap yourself in a comforter, a nice warm blanket, and quite frankly, you might be tempted to stay in bed all day for that comfort. In England, uh, this is a comforter. What we in Australia would call a dummy, or in the States they'd call a pacifier. Um, When baby is crying and upset, screaming maybe, uh, put the comforter in the baby's mouth and the crying stops. Baby imagines being nestled at her mother's breast, being fed, being kept warm, 
being surrounded in love. In older usage, this was a comforter, a, a scarf. Similar idea maybe to the doona idea, that when you're feeling miserable and cold, wrapping yourself in a nice warm scarf is comforting, a comforter. Uh, again, we don't use that very much these days. Well, you might have had a few miserable days lately with all of the changes that have been going on uh, due to coronavirus, lots of the things that you have been used to doing, uh, you're not being able to do anymore, uh, things that you've loved to do, uh, not available to you. You might be missing your grandkids, other family members, friends that you can't meet with, that you can't touch, that you can't be with. Uh, you might have had some really miserable days uh, and felt in need of comfort uh, in recent times. As I was trying to write this sermon at home on Tuesday, uh, a very loud and very frustrated six-year-old voice sounded from the lounge room. Coronavirus is stupid. Yep, Sam, I think we all agree with that one. Uh, I'm normally a person who is pretty steady in terms of my emotions, but in the last three weeks, I've been a bit like a roller coaster uh, going up and down as I've had to adapt to changes and how lots of things that I've relied on have uh, disappeared and have changed. And uh, I'll be honest, I've had a few days where I have felt miserable and feeling like I just want to get back into bed, pull up the comforter, wrap a comforter around my neck, and quite frankly, curl up in the fetal position in need of comfort. So when you're feeling miserable, tired, stressed or down, where do you go for comfort? Is it food, hitting the chips or the chocolate or the ice cream? Is it alcohol, having a wine or beer or two or three or... Maybe it's uh, binging on technology, trying to escape in Netflix, uh, surfing the web or gaming. Where is it that you go to seek your comfort? We've all got our own ways of doing it, trying to distract ourselves or, or numb the pain that we're feeling, seeking comfort in difficult circumstances. All of those things that I've just described, by the way, are food and drink and technology, are all good things. They're all good things that God has given us, part of the good creation that God has made. And yet we know that they can be misused as well. Too much fat, too much sugar, too much screen time is unhealthy. Uh, and certainly there are things where we can go for comfort, uh, on the web, for example, which are decidedly unhealthy and ungodly, not helpful things to seek comfort in. And really, if any of these things become more important to us seeking comfort from, rather than from God himself, then there's a danger there that these things become idols, that we go to them for comfort rather than to God, who is himself 
the creator of these things and the one that we should look to first of all. When you're in trouble, when you're stressed, when you're miserable, when you're down, do you actually look to God for comfort? Right? Is, it just, is that just wishful thinking from a minister whose job it is to talk about God to say that sort of thing? I mean, is it, is it realistic that when you're feeling down or miserable, if you were to go to God, that you would find that he would comfort you in those circumstances? Well, let's have a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1 together. I'd love you to grab your Bibles and have a look at this passage which speaks to us about God who is the God of all comfort. Have a look with me at verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Uh, Paul is writing this letter to the church at Corinth. Uh, He starts by introducing himself and speaking of who they are, and then he turns his attention to praise God, as he often does in his letters. But he describes God in three very powerful and personal ways in this one verse. If you have a view of God as being remote, distant, uh, disconnected and disinterested, these three descriptions of God, a personal God, challenge that view that you might have. God is described as the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God isn't some vague force. He's personal and he is revealed to us fully through Jesus Christ. Jesus who lived on earth, who people saw, they heard, they touched, and Jesus showed them what his God and his Father was like so that we could relate to him. And he told us that we can call him Father, Daddy, an intensely personal term to speak of God as we relate to him. God is also described here as the Father of compassion. That is, the key motivating force within God is love or compassion for people. It's like the engine in the car, the thing that drives God is compassion towards you, towards me, hardly distant and remote. And then God is described as the God of all comfort. What that means is that God is characterized by all kinds, all types of comfort. Whatever the situation, whatever the need, God is there to provide comfort for people. God is there to provide comfort to you. How often have you heard God described in this way as the God of all comfort? We use lots of descriptions to speak about God. We speak about God as being holy, God as being loving, God as being powerful, God as being forgiving. How often do we think of him as the God of all comfort? And yet it's a, it's a powerful description, isn't it? And a particularly beautiful way of thinking about God. And it's by no means unique to this one Bible passage in 2 Corinthians. There are other places in the Bible which draw out this characteristic of God. So Psalm 23, which speaks about God as the loving shepherd, 
uh, says this, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In Isaiah chapter 40, after the nation of Israel has been devastated and destroyed by foreign invading armies, we read these words. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. And Jesus, in his teaching, in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. A key characteristic of God, who God is, at the very core of God's personhood, is that he is a God of comfort. No more than that, he's the God of all comfort. There's no doubt that comfort is the key word in this Bible passage. You might have noticed as it was being read how often it comes up. It's there nine times. But comfort doesn't mean simply being comfortable. This is not about God telling us that you guys will live a a settled and comfortable and luxurious life. If you follow me, uh, you'll be healthy, you'll be wealthy, and you'll be wise. Uh, There's kind of a, a, a modern Western heresy along those lines where we think that if we put our trust in Jesus, if we follow God, somehow life will all work out. Well, this passage simply doesn't allow that sort of interpretation because although the word comfort comes up nine times in the passage, you might notice that the words trouble, distress and suffering are there collectively seven times. So the context which Paul is speaking about here, the context in which God provides comfort to you, to us, is in a situation of great trouble, great distress and even suffering. Paul speaks in this passage in very personal terms about his own suffering. Uh, You can see it there from verse 8 onwards. He speaks of certain experiences that he had when he was in the region of Asia. He doesn't say particularly what is going on. We have to guess at that. But look at the powerful language that he uses. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. We despaired of life itself. We felt we had had the sentence of death. Have you ever felt like that? I know that many of you have felt like that. As I reflect on my own life, Uh, I feel quite fortunate that actually the level of suffering that I've experienced has been relatively low. But I've certainly had times in my life which have been particularly difficult, particularly hard, uh, and when I've really struggled along. And I've certainly had times in my ministry where I have had to drive over to people's houses after they have suffered a terrible, terrible tragedy. And as I've been driving there in the car, thinking to myself, I don't know what I'm walking into here. I don't know what I'm going to say. I've no idea what I'm supposed to do. And crying out to God saying, God, I've got no idea what to do in this situation. I need your help. I need your strength. That's kind of the level of distress and suffering and difficulty that Paul was experiencing here too, which drives him to say in verse 9, But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, 
but on God who raises the dead. When suffering is so intense, when things become so difficult, we're forced to acknowledge that I can't do this in my own strength and turn our attention to God, who is the God, we're told, who raises the dead. Now, we celebrated last Sunday the fact that God raised Jesus from the dead, that God is so powerful, so strong, that he brought his son Jesus back to life. The great celebration of Easter Day. And we know uh, from what God has promised us that our future is assured, that God has promised that he will raise us from the dead in the same way that he, rose, he raised Jesus from the dead. If our, if our trust is in Jesus, just as Jesus was raised from the dead, so we too will be raised from the dead. But it's not just a past event, something that happened to Jesus. It's not just a, a future hope that we have that you know, even death is not the end, that God will raise us from the dead. God's described here as the God who raises the dead. It's a, it's a present experience that even in the midst of great trouble and difficulty, that God can bring life in situations of death, that God can bring his light into situations of darkness. God is the God of all comfort. He is the God who is the one who raises the dead. He wants to offer us comfort and he has the power to do it. Now, comfort is more than God just offering us sympathy. It's not just God being with us and kind of patting us on the back and saying, there, there, it'll be okay. It's more even than God speaking words of comfort to us, things that might encourage us. The word comfort has the idea within it of God strengthening us as well as consoling us. That idea that even in the midst of great difficulty, that, that God provides the strength for us to keep going. It's a little bit hard to describe, but I know that many of you have experienced exactly this in your own life. When you feel like that things are so hard that you simply cannot keep going, I cannot go on, I don't know how to do it, and, and God, in his loving mercy, provides the strength and upholds us and gives us what we need. Again, a word to you if you're someone investigating the Christian faith. It's great to look at what Jesus says about himself, to investigate uh, the truth and the validity of his claims. I encourage you to do exactly that. Uh, and I'd love you to join in our online alpha uh, that we're running this term. That's a great way to investigate the truth about Jesus, the truth about God. But at the end of the day, there are some things that can only be experienced. At the end of the day, you can theorise about God. You can think about God and say, is it true or is it not true? But until you actually make the decision to trust in God, to give over your life to him, that you will know whether God is worthy of that trust, that God will be able to comfort you when you need it, that God will be able to provide for you in situations of great trouble. You don't actually know that until you take that step and try him out. Test God and see, are the things that he says about himself true 
Will I experience that in my own life if I take that step of faith? The testimony of many people within this church, the testimony of me personally in my work, walk with God, is that God is in fact, in daily practice, as well as in name, the God of all comfort, the one who comforts and provides for us in all of our needs. So God is the God of all comfort. He is the one who provides for us in the midst of trouble. But that's not the end of the story. Verse 4 goes on to say that he does this so that we can comfort those in trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. It's wonderful to receive God's comfort. We need that, but it's not simply for our own benefit. God comforts us so that we can then comfort other people and provide for them in their time of need. Now, if you're going through a particularly dark and difficult time at the moment, uh, it may be that you yourself just need to be comforted. You need to be the recipient of comfort rather than being in a position to be able to offer anything to anyone else. And that's okay. But we're being reminded here that what God does to us in the situation of great trouble by providing comfort is ultimately so that when we're out of that situation, we can use that for the benefit of others, that we can minister to other people in their situations of distress and trouble as well. Think about your own life. Uh, can you think of situations where God has comforted you in very difficult situations? Have you been able to use something from that experience to help another person, to actually take that comfort that God has provided for you and comfort another person? Or if not, how might you do that going into the future? Taking your own experiences, taking what God has given you in those moments and think about how that could be of great benefit to another person in times of difficulty, stress, or trouble. I was part of a small group uh, some years ago where one of the members uh, was sharing about uh, a very recent and painful miscarriage that she had had. She and her husband were uh, going through the great trauma of that miscarriage, and it was very recent, it was very raw, it was very upsetting. And there was an opportunity in that group to pray for her. Before I even had a chance to open my mouth, someone else had laid a hand on her shoulder and with tears streaming down his face, prayed a powerful, personal, comforting prayer for her. It was perfectly obvious in that situation that he knew something of what she was going through. He and his wife had experienced a miscarriage as well and he knew the sort of pain that she was going through and having received comfort from God himself in his own situation was able to provide some comfort uh, to this friend who was going through great difficulty. God comforts us but he wants us to use his comforting of us so that we can then help other people and be a comfort to them. Well, how does God comfort us? How does God actually do it? Uh, well, he does it directly. 
through uh, an inner strengthening by his Holy Spirit. Uh, The Holy Spirit in another part of the Bible in John's Gospel is actually called the Comforter. It's exactly the same word as a description for who the Holy Spirit is. He is the one who comforts, the Comforter. Uh, And God does that, uh, working within us by his very Spirit who lives with us to, to strengthen us, to comfort us in situations. So when we are in situations of trouble, when we're miserable, when we're stressed, when we're down, we should turn first and foremost to God and seek after him and ask him to provide the comfort that we need. Rather than turning to chocolate or to beer or to mind-numbing tech, turn to God and say, God, I need your comfort. I need your help. I'm in terrible distress. Will you minister to me? Will you provide for me? Will you fill me with your spirit, the comforter, and provide what I need in this moment? He's the God of all comfort. That's who he is. That's what he wants to provide for us. Why not go to him first and seek your comfort in him? So God does comfort us directly as we turn to him and relate to him. But God also uses people to provide that comfort to us. No doubt you've experienced that yourself as God has brought other people into your life to provide comforts at times of need, bringing often people who have themselves been through times of great darkness and distress who will hold your hand as you walk through the dark places and who will be a bit of a guiding light uh, to you. So how might we do that? If, If we're seeking to be a comfort to other people, if we're seeking to take the comfort that God has given us and give it to other people, how might we do it? Well, sometimes it's as simple as being present with people, just sitting with them, crying alongside them, letting them know that we love them and we understand. Now, we're a bit more limited, aren't we, at the moment in how we can do that. Uh, It's not as easy to give a hug or physical touch to, to be physically present with people. But although we may be physically distant, we need to work very hard at this sort of social connection. We need to work hard at finding other ways to be present with people to provide that sort of comfort that is needed. Um, Video calls, phone calls, texts, an old-fashioned letter are all ways, actually, that we can be present, not in quite the same way, but letting people know that we are there for them. The Bible tells us to... Rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn. And actually being, being present is one of the key, most fundamental ways that we can provide comfort to people. Secondly, there is also the opportunity to provide comfort by the words that we might speak. So we might think of uh, an encouraging verse of scripture or we might share something of our own experience with another person or we might have an insight or a a word of wisdom that we can bring into a situation. We need to be careful. Uh, We need to make sure that it is actually appropriate and that they're at a point where they're ready to receive that. We need God's wisdom to help to guide our words. But I certainly in my life have been comforted and helped as other people have spoken words into my life. And it is a way that we can do that to provide comfort to other people. But thirdly, We can pray. That's probably the most fundamental thing that we can do 
as we seek to comfort other people. Uh, Paul, in this passage, in verse 10, says that God has delivered him from trouble and he knows that God will deliver him again. He says, as you help me by your prayers. So he says to the Corinthian church, God's delivered me and he's used your prayers to do it. And he will deliver me in the future, so keep praying because your prayers will work to bring the deliverance that I need. Isn't that a remarkable thing to say? Do you think about your prayers as being as powerful as all of that? That God actually uses our prayers to deliver people when they're in situations of great distress and trouble? Sometimes he does that in in miraculous ways, that there's an answer to prayer where uh, there's a miraculous deliverance that is not explainable in in any other way that that God has intervened in the situation and, and has answered prayer. But God uses our prayers in more subtle ways as well. I've lost track of the number of times where I've been talking to someone in this church and in other churches as well who've been going through great trouble, great difficulty, really low times, and they say to me, I know that people are praying for me and I can feel their prayers. It's their prayers which are actually holding me up at the moment. I'd be collapsed on the floor in a heap if it wasn't for the prayers of God's people, the prayers of the church for me at the moment. I know that's happening and that is what's sustaining me. Sometimes we feel like our prayers are weak. Sometimes we we even say stupid things like, all I can do is pray, as if it's not that useful. But upholding people in prayer is a wonderful way to offer comfort to them. And letting people know that we're praying for them is an excellent way to show that we love them, that we care for them, and we're doing something for them in the midst of this situation. Prayer is powerful, it is personal, and it's effective. We might never know the ways in which our prayers are answered as we pray for those who need comfort, those who are in difficulty or distress. We may never know the sort of comfort that it brings to them. But because God is the God of all comfort, because he's the the source of that comfort, but he does use us to help bring comfort to people, he will answer those prayers. As we go through situations of difficulty, of stress, and of trouble, we can turn to God. We can bring those requests to God, who is the God of all comfort, and he will minister to us, bringing us comfort. But as we know other people that we love who are going through difficulties and trouble themselves, we can bring those same prayers for them and asking God, who is the God of all comfort, to minister by his powerful Holy Spirit, the comforter in them, and to help them as we offer what help we can practically to bring that comfort that God has given us to comfort those who are in need. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.